Welcome to Kids Considered, a podcast where two pediatricians discuss children's health topics of interest to parents in a podcast with new subjects considered every episode. I'm Dr. Lena Rostein. And I'm Dr. Dean Blumberg. And we're both pediatricians at UC Davis Children's Hospital in Sacramento, California. And before we get started today, we've got an announcement, right? Right. Some of you who have been listening to our podcast for, you know, a few weeks now or months. Or months, yeah. (laughs) Have noticed that over the past few episodes, our name has changed a couple times. A couple times, right. (laughs) First two peds in a pod, then... Two pediatricians in a podcast. And now we have settled on Kids Kids Considered. Considered. Yep. And that's because although Dr. Dean and I are pediatricians, we are not... In the legal field. Not at all. Not close. <laughs> and so uh, our first um, iteration of the name, Two Peds in a Pod, was already trademarked by another awesome group of pediatricians that we didn't know about. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to support their work and to not kind of infringe on their work that they've been doing. And their trademark. And their, tra- <laughs> their <laughs> <Right>. trademark. <laughs> yep. We have settled on Kids Considered, where we're hoping to stay. Right, and we like it. We like our new our new um, name, Kids Considered. It's got alliteration. It does have alliteration, and um, you know we're considering all pediatric topics. So um, you'll see that our social media sites have changed, but our content is still the same. Right. So let's hear about today's topic. Perfect. Hi, my name is Camille, and I'm currently a senior in high school. All throughout my schooling, I have always been known to be really jumpy, especially in class, and focusing is much harder for me than others. I have looked up symptoms of ADHD, and it seems like I may have some form of it. I have looked further as to even medications online, but the side effects are questionable, and I'm wondering if they are worth it for my symptoms. Thank you so much. Boy, I think Camille brings up um, several good points about ADHD. And I love that we got a question from a teenager. Uh-huh, right. Instead from of a parent. A kid, right. It's awesome. Yeah, and the issue about do I have ADHD or not, or are these normal symptoms, I think that's very important to address. Yeah, it's a great question. And the medication side effects can be significant, so I think yeah. we should talk about that too. Mm-hmm, definitely. So, but I have to start off by saying <laughs> when I was a kid, really nobody had ADHD. ADHD, so Attention Deficit Hyperactive Disorder. Right. So some kids were just different and they were more active than other kids. Yeah. You know, surprisingly, I think this is one thing that we kind of have in common because when I was growing up, I didn't feel like many kids were diagnosed with this either. Um, But that's because it wasn't actually a diagnosis then. So what do you mean? The first official pediatric guidance on ADHD came out in the year 2000. That was uh, a few years before my (laughs) general pediatric training. don't say. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. So, but don't you think that children are being overdiagnosed with ADHD now instead of just recognizing that different kids behave differently, some are more active than others? Yeah, overdiagnosis may be occurring, but that's a different issue that we should talk about later. This is an important subject that many parents have concerns about. So what kind of concerns do you hear about? Well, the concerns that she talks about in the phone call. Mm -hmm. So making an accurate diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And also treatment. Mm -hmm. Of course. And some parents are worried that treatment for ADHD may have side effects. And that's understandable since we know that all medications may have side effects, and so we should be concerned about that. Right. But let's start with how frequently ADHD occurs. So it's not that common, right? Actually, it's the most common neurodevelopmental disorder in childhood. Wow, that's that's a pretty incredible statement. Yeah, yeah. it is. Mm-hmm. So what is ADHD? So it's hyperactive kids, right? 
Well, almost all children will have bursts of hyperactivity or moments when their behavior would be perceived as out of control. That's true, yeah. They may speed about in constant motion. Right, or make noise nonstop. Or refuse to wait their turn. Or crash into everything around them. And then there's children who drift off or daydream really frequently. Sometimes they're not able to really pay attention. Or finish anything that they start. And many children really act this way at times. But for some children, these kinds of behaviors occur more frequently. So more than just an occasional problem. Right. Children with ADHD have these kinds of behaviors, and they're so frequent and severe that they interfere with their ability to live a normal life. That is a powerful statement. I mean, now I'm really starting to understand how ADHD may really have an impact on children. Yeah, and not only the children, it has an impact on their families. Like how? Well, because of their behaviors, they often are getting into trouble, and they can have issues kind of with their brothers and sisters, Mm -hmm. and they may not get along with other children at school or in other settings. What about learning? They have trouble paying attention, and they usually have trouble learning and may have difficulty with their schoolwork. Well, that's going to be a problem then. Mm -hmm. And their impulsivity may put them at risk for actual physical danger. You mean like they're running out in the middle of the street without looking and not being careful? Yeah, exactly. So I've seen some of these kids get labeled as, you know, quote-unquote bad kids because they have difficulty controlling their behavior. Mm-hmm. And some people call them, like, spacey or space cadets because they're always drifting off in another world at school. So I'm getting the idea that if children with ADHD aren't treated appropriately, then this could lead to serious problems. Yeah, it can, including poor grades in school. Later in life, they can get into trouble with the law. They can have failed relationships, difficulty holding down jobs. And these are really lifelong problems and challenges then. Right. So that's why we need to look seriously at any child with ADHD concerns and make sure we establish an appropriate diagnosis. And then make sure that they get treated so that they have a happy and healthy life and live happily ever after. (laughs) Yeah, let's hold on. Let's hold on. Why? Because what is going to come before treatment? All the problems that we just talked about, right? (laughs) For the child, but from our perspective... I don't understand. As pediatricians... Oh, okay. So as a professional, so before we treat, we should make sure that we have the right diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And so what is ADHD? What, What are the symptoms? ADHD is a condition of the brain that makes it difficult for children to regulate their behavior and their attention. And you mentioned before that it's common. Mm -hmm. And how common is it? It affects between 5 to 8% of school-age children, although some studies have shown rates as high as 11 or 12%. That's pretty high. That's a lot. Yeah, it's one of the most common chronic conditions in childhood. It seems in my experience that it's more common in boys than girls. Is this true? That is true, and I've noticed that too. It's actually diagnosed three to four times more in boys as compared to girls. So we've talked a little bit about the behaviors associated with ADHD, but can you tell us the specific symptoms? So first, let's split up the diagnosis of ADHD. How how do we split it up? So there's two main types of symptoms. And what are they? So some children will have just the first part, so the attention deficit. So they're inattentive. Mm -hmm. They have a hard time paying attention. They're daydreamers. So they probably don't appear to listen. Mm -hmm. And they're easily distracted from schoolwork, or even if they're playing a game, they can be distracted. So I'm guessing that if there's detailed work, they're not very good at that. Right, and they frequently make careless mistakes. So they probably also don't follow instructions or directions very well. Yep, and that makes it really hard for them to complete tasks. So are they messy kids? They can be. They're disorganized. They often lose things, even really important things. And are they forgetful? They are. So that must be really challenging just 
to be that kid. Right. Because it's so challenging, they often avoid doing things that require ongoing or prolonged effort. So that's the AD, but what about the HD and ADHD? <laughs> yep, so this is the second type of symptom. So this is the hyperactivity disorder. It's also associated with impulsive symptoms. So you kind of can imagine what these kids look like. These are those kids that are like in constant motion, yeah, right? they're like have a motor. They're just like, <laughs> like, you know, like every time you look, they're like in a different spot. Uh-huh, so they're squirming. They can't <laughs> stay seated. They're fidgeting all the time. And they just talk, 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 talk. I see these kids sometimes being overactive, like in the clinic waiting room, or sometimes just like when you're at the grocery store or something. Yep. And they can't help themselves from running, jumping, climbing. I actually have a soft spot for these kids because they're like kind of adorable, but very challenging for their parents. Right. So they're not they're not quiet, are they? No, they usually cannot play quietly. And this is associated with impulsivity, right? It is. So they act or speak without thinking. Yeah, somebody else I know sometimes acts like that, too. So do, do I know them? <laughs> Very well. Even some might say you know them as well as you can know yourself. I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> so because these kids are so impulsive, these children may run into the street without looking. That's dangerous. Yep. And when they're playing, they have difficulty taking turns with others. So that can be hard for you know kids to want to play with them. Right, because they can't wait for things, and so they can't wait their turn. Mm-hmm. So in school, they may call out answers before the question is complete. And then they often interrupt others. Yeah. So some of these behaviors seem normal for some children. Well, that's a good observation. And sometimes they are normal because kids are maturing. So how are children with ADHD different from normal kids? Yeah, it, it can be a sort of nuance. So these, it's just a developmentally inappropriate for the child's age. So it's not just kids being kids. Yeah, and let's talk more about when to suspect ADHD later. Okay, so do children usually have all the symptoms of ADHD? No, not all kids will have all of those symptoms that we've talked about. So they may have one or more of the symptoms. Yeah. So we've gone over the two types of symptoms. Let's review the three types of ADHD. Yeah, let's. So the first type is inattentive only. Is this what we used to call ADD back when I was being trained? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's basically attention deficit disorder. So children with this type of ADHD are not overly active. No, they may not disrupt in the classroom or during other activities. So their symptoms may not be quite as obvious. Yeah, sometimes they even go unnoticed. So this inattentive type, this is usually more common in girls, right? Exactly. And what's the second type of ADHD? That is the hyperactive and impulsive child that we talked about. Mm -hmm. So they're hyperactive, impulsive, but they can pay attention. Usually, yeah. Okay, so this seems less common. It is, and these children are usually much younger. So what age? How much younger? This one is typically seen in the preschool-age child. Okay, and what's the third type of ADHD? The third type combines them both together, so that's both inattentive and hyperactive impulsive symptoms. So children with this type of ADHD show symptoms in both dimensions of ADHD that we've discussed. Exactly. And this is the type that most people think of when they're talking about ADHD. Okay. So many of the behaviors that we've discussed are normal for children, right? Yeah, they are. Okay. So how can you tell if a child has ADHD? First, it's important to listen to the concerns of others. So you mean for perspective? Right. So because parents may be used to this behavior or they might get used to the behavior. Yeah, so sometimes it takes a teacher or a pediatrician or an outsider to notice the inattention and hyperactivity and bring it to someone else's attention. So let me just take a step back here. I'm thinking I'm the parent and somebody says to me, like maybe the grandparent or somebody else, they say, I think your children has ADHD. 
Mm-hmm. And how do I react? Well, I guess it kind of depends what kind of parent you are, but <laughs> some may get defensive. That's or... what I was thinking. I, like, I would start off, my first reaction would be, de- like, what are you telling me about my kid? I, they, they're normal. They're just a kid being a kid. Right. But as a next step, I would, you know, take that in stride, listen to what others are saying, and then go talk to your doctor. Okay. So this may be a bit of a, a, a sensitive discussion, but um, they go to the doctor, and then what will the doctor do? Well, the first thing is to sort out if something is causing this behavior. Like? So like a stress at home, something's changed, they're being bullied at school, or there's a reason for them to be acting out. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Or if the child's really bored. You know, some of the smartest kids I see act like they're inattentive, but really they're just not being challenged enough in school. So that can also be something that Mm -hmm. would be kind of misleading. So in this case, it's not ADHD. Right. But what if there isn't an obvious explanation for this behavior? Then we need to dive into better detail and figure out what's going on. Okay, so like ask, like, how long has this been going on? Right, that's a really important one because the symptoms of ADHD have to be shown on a regular basis for more than six months. And then if that is the case, then we can do further testing. What other questions can parents expect when they're being evaluated by their doctor for this? You know, we'll ask how the child's doing in school. Or are there any other problems with learning that the parent or the child's teacher has noticed? Right. And is the child feeling happy and challenged at school? What about problems completing classwork or homework? Oh, yeah, that's an important one. And any concerns about behavior outside of the school setting? Or at home or when playing with friends? Mm Mm-hmm. When they're out in the world. Like at karate, soccer practice, gymnastics, church. Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, any of those types of activities. Okay, so you mentioned further testing. Mm Mm-hmm. And so what kind of testing? Is this like a blood test or something? You know, that's not a blood test. (laughs) I know, it's not a blood test. But I've heard of questionnaires. So is is a questionnaire the next step? Yeah, usually a questionnaire is filled out by the parents, but we also give a copy for the teacher, usually, or some other type of care provider. The most common one I use in clinic is called the Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one type of questionnaire that you may be given if you see your pediatrician. And so the reason that we want to have others, not just the parents, fill these out is because some of these behaviors um, occur in the classroom, for example. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And what are these questionnaires like? They're standardized focus checklists and rating scales kind of describing the child's behavior in these settings. And are they good? Are they accurate? They are accurate. They've been validated. But really for at least the ones that we use in the primary care office, just for children six years of age and over. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what if the pediatrician gets the questionnaires and does this and they're still not sure of the diagnosis? Yeah, then it's often best for the child to be referred to a specialist for additional evaluation. So what kind of specialist would they see? A behavior and development physician? Possibly. It depends on the child's age. So maybe a child development specialist for the younger kids, such as the preschool age. Right. That's what I was saying. So like six, you know, mm-hmm. we, we're comfortable maybe above six, but if we're really nervous that a kid has it that's younger than that, maybe we would refer to a specialist. Mm-hmm. You can also consider a child psychiatrist or psychologist, even a pediatric neurologist, especially for some older children. So it probably depends on that physician's practice style and what they specialize in. Mm -hmm. Okay, so um, we really want to make sure that kids get the right diagnosis. So we really want to make sure that they see the right specialist if there's any question, right? Yeah, because there are other childhood disorders that can be easily confused with ADHD. Like what? Other learning problems, like think about dyslexia, autism spectrum disorders, oppositional defiant disorders. Hmm. So these all have really different therapies. Exactly. And that's kind of why you don't want to 
you know, misdiagnose. Mm -hmm. So what about the, you made the diagnosis and now we can move to treatment, right? Right. So what about the treatment for ADHD? So this will primarily depend on the age of the child. So what about the youngest kids, the preschool kids, like four to five years of age? Mm -hmm. So at this point, it's really developed around behavioral therapy as the first line of treatment. So tell us what um, behavioral therapy means. Mm -hmm. So parents are trained in specific techniques to improve their ability to modify and shape their child's behavior. And how does this typically work? So children can be effectively rewarded for desired behavior. So this is positive reinforcement? Mm -hmm. Right. So was that positive reinforcement? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe it was. (laughs) Okay. What about reducing or eliminating some behaviors by planned ignoring? Yeah. Planned ignoring is when parents ignore minor misbehaviors. Okay. So minor misbehaviors. But what if the misbehavior is more than minor? So sometimes there needs to be appropriate consequences when children do not meet, you know, those goals. So appropriate consequences, you're, that's like a code word for like punishment, right? <laughs> right. Okay. So I know we don't want to focus too much on discipline. Yep. We can do a whole episode later on discipline. Mm-hmm. But could you get, just give us some examples? Sure. Like the removal of something that the child loves to do, their desired activities. So they like to watch TV, for example. Mm-hmm. And for some younger children, a short timeout for dangerous behavior is okay. Okay, so I I just want to be really clear here. So specifically, we're saying no corporal punishment. Right. No spanking or hitting a child. Ever. Ever. Okay. Anything else? Yep. We've been focusing on the negative when it comes to behavior. Well, we did talk about positive reinforcement. Right. But there's one more behavioral technique that parents can use that I'd like to talk about. And what's that? That's selective attention. And that's... For parents to be mindful of all the times that their child is doing well. So that children become aware of the contrast between parents' responses to appropriate compared to inappropriate behavior. Right, and it really reinforces to the child what is appropriate. So can you give an example? Sure. So these children can be impatient, right? So they may Mm -hmm. be waiting in line with their parent at a grocery store, and that may trigger some really inappropriate behavior like, you know, pulling things out of the person's cart behind them, taking Mm -hmm. all the candy off of that little checkout, like flipping through the magazines. Uh Uh-huh. So if the child is doing a good job at the store. Right. Maybe they're just like standing there next to their parent and, you know, being good. Then the parent should always label and praise and reinforce this behavior. And how do they label it? Like, Johnny, you are doing such a good job waiting in line right now. You're really doing a great job. So it's really important that we do a good job paying attention to and praising appropriate behaviors. Right, because then the child can learn what is expected of them. And that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But because it's hard for them to stay motivated if they're only being ignored or punished. Well, of course. Of course it does. So how often should selective attention be used? Yeah, in general, parents should actually do this about 10 times more often as they think they should. Really? So 10 times more? So just do it all the time. Anytime you can find something great to say to your kid, do it. And this goes for kids with ADHD, without ADHD. This is just a good, good tactic to use as a parent. Yeah, it sounds like it because then the contrast will really be clear to the child between what's appropriate mm-hmm. and inappropriate behavior. Yeah. And so how do parents learn these behavioral techniques? Yeah, often there are parent education groups that are designed to specifically teach these tactics to parents. Do these uh, groups, are they covered by, like, insurance? They can be, but they're not always. So that could be a concern to parents. Yeah, it can be. Is this kind of therapy widely available? Not in all areas. So how can parents assess these behavioral therapy programs? There are programs that are available in most locations, like Head Start. or I've, I've heard of that. Yep. Head Start's <laughs> a common one that uh-huh. we use. Children and adults with 
um, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, or CHADD, would also have more information. And we'll put these links on our website. Let's post them. And we talked a lot about how ADHD can affect children's ability to succeed in school. Mm-hmm. So it's great if the parents get involved with behavioral therapy, but what about the school environment? Yeah, behavioral therapy can also be coordinated with the school. So this should result in improved attention to instruction in the classroom. Yep, and improved compliance with classroom rules and less disruptive behavior. Then children should have increased school and homework productivity and get Better grades, right? Yeah, and have a better ability to learn and get better test scores and grades, all of those things. Mm -hmm. So how does a parent go about getting these services at the school? Parents may need to request something called an IEP. That's an Individualized Education Program, right? Mm -hmm. The eligibility criteria for these options may be different depending on your state and school district, but it's always something worth looking into. So parents need to work with your school. Yep, and your pediatrician can help out with this as well. Okay, so what if behavioral therapy is not available or it just you try it and it doesn't work? So the next step would be likely be medications. And what kind of medications are generally used? We generally use stimulant medications, but there are sometimes other types. And what kind of stimulants are used? One of the most common is methylphenidate. And that's also known as Ritalin or Concerta, right? Right. Those are their brand names and probably what most parents and kids know them by. Okay. And for elementary school children, um, 6 to 11 years of age? For this age, behavioral therapy plus medication has generally been shown to have the best results. So I noticed that you qualified this. You said it's generally. Like all things in medicine. (laughs) Right. So... (laughs) There are some nuances to it. Which are? So medication alone may be just as effective as medication plus behavioral therapy for some ADHD symptoms. But? But the combined treatment produces the best outcomes in other areas. Like in academics, for example? Right, academics, but also improving the parent-child relationship and associated symptoms of depression, anxiety, things like that. That sounds pretty important. Yeah, Okay, so what about um, adolescents, 12 to 18-year-olds? Again, we're going to preferably use both behavioral therapy and medication, but there's another twist at this age. What? These kids are now getting old enough to participate in their own care. Right. So they need to be involved in their treatment decisions. So you need to get buy-in from them? They need to agree with the plan? Mm -hmm. Okay. What are some of the side effects of medication therapy for ADHD? Camille was asking about that. Yeah, and you know, they are significant. So I think something definitely worth talking about. The most common side effects are appetite loss, headaches, interference with sleep. And that can be really worrisome and really interfere with the child's life. Yeah, we monitor very closely for these side effects. And if these side effects occur, can the doses be adjusted to decrease the side effects? Yeah, children respond differently to these medications, so sometimes the doses are adjusted down to minimize these effects. And don't these medications sometimes affect growth? Mm Mm-hmm. Stimulant medications can decrease growth, particularly in children who are on higher doses on a consistent daily basis. And is this, like, significant effect on growth? It's generally about one to two centimeters. And so that's a little less than an inch, right? Mm Mm-hmm. What if the medication, they try it and it just doesn't work very well? You know, this can happen in the beginning and parents and teachers need to monitor it so that it can be adjusted. And so if it's not working, then the child's not responding, then the doses can be increased to be more effective? Yeah, or the medication can be changed to a different one entirely. Okay, because there's alternatives. There are, yep. Okay, so let's summarize some of the main points about ADHD. Okay. 
So first, it's important to consider ADHD in children with concerning behaviors or if they're not doing well in school. Especially if their teacher who has, you know, lots of experience with different kids brings it up to you. Mm -hmm. And then the next step is an appropriate evaluation to make sure that the diagnosis is established. Yep, and this is generally done by the child's pediatrician or another healthcare provider, but sometimes a mental health specialist is required. And then implement behavioral treatments. Those are good at all ages. Mm -hmm. And usually by parents and ideally the school as well. Mm -hmm. And then consider medication depending on the severity of the symptoms and the response to behavioral therapy. Right. And make sure we continue to monitor for any side effects and the response. And since ADHD medication side effects, they may be significant. That's why we need to monitor and adjust the dose maybe. Great. So let's get back to Camille. Okay, so she's thinking she has ADHD, but maybe these are common symptoms of kids her age, right? Yeah, she's a senior in high school. There may be a component of senioritis creeping in. (laughs) Uh (laughs) But, you know, she said that she's noticed this throughout her life, that she's Mm -hmm. not able to pay attention as well as her other classmates. You know, I would like to talk to her more about her grades in school, her ability to complete her homework, Mm -hmm. kind of feedback from her teachers and her parents. Mm -hmm. And she's gotten to be a senior. So one response people, I've heard people say is, well, she's gotten along this far without any treatment, so she probably doesn't need it. You know, that's one approach, but I still think that it warrants, you know, we see some adults that are missed Mm -hmm. and have never been diagnosed, but truly have it. So if she's concerned, she should bring it up to her parents and they should really go in and be evaluated by her physician. Right. And we've we've seen this because we work in a medical school. So we've seen this in the academic environment where kids are high achievers. They do well in high school. They do well in college. They get into medical school. And then something happens and they don't do well on a test. And then they're diagnosed with ADHD. And then treatment makes all the difference in the world for Mm -hmm. them. Yeah. I I was thinking about this and it reminded me of a joke. (laughs) (laughs) All right. What is it? Let's hear it. Okay. ADHD joke. How Actually, many, I'm sure there's a few of them, huh? How many kids with ADHD does it take to change a light bulb? How many? Uh, let's play kickball. Because oh, <laughs> they're distracted from the light bulb. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay, that's a good one. Do you like that one? Because uh, we could do the other joke. No, that no, one's good. Okay, so we thank Dr. Megan Miller from the Mind Institute at UC Davis Children's Hospital for reviewing today's topic, although Dr. Lena and I take responsibility for any errors or misinformation. That wraps up today's episode of Kids Considered. You can find more information at our website, blog.ucdmc.ucdavis.edu slash kids hyphen considered. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Kids Considered. And you can also call us at 916-915-3388. Or email us, kidsconsidered at gmail.com. We would love to hear your questions. And if you have feedback on this show or topics you'd like us to discuss in the future, we would love to hear from you. And if you're enjoying listening to our podcast, please rate us on whatever platform you use to download your podcasts. Thank you for listening, and we hope you will join us for our next podcast. Kids Considered is sponsored by UC Davis Children's Hospital. All right, overtime. Right. <laughs> so I think... As I was preparing and reading for this, mm-hmm. I thought the one big thing that we didn't touch on was abuse of stimulant medication. Right. So what I've heard is some kids who have a diagnosis of ADHD, they get the medication and then they like sell it. Or to give it to kids. their friends. Or give it to and their friends. And this is a huge problem. I would say less in like our population, like under 18 mm-hmm. and more. Do you think in, it's more in older? Like, like college setting, college? even medical school, I feel like I saw this. Really? Um, although I was reading a study that showed that 
12th graders, so seniors in high school, just under 10% of them had admitted to using a stimulant medication that wasn't prescribed to them at some point. And why why do they take it? Does it feel good? Is it for the do they get high? You or? know, there is like a smaller subset of people that will crush these medications and snort them or something that's mm-hmm. extremely dangerous, obviously, because you're basically bypassing your metabolism, long story short, it's much quicker to the brain and you get mm-hmm. much higher doses and it's very dangerous. Because it has... gets into the bloodstream really fast that right. way. Mm-hmm. Um, but some kids are just using them because they think they're going to perform better on tests and study longer. Do they? No, because the medication, while it may help you focus, mm-hmm. actually has no benefit for memory and learning. It doesn't. So if you don't have ADHD, right. there's no benefit from taking these medications. No, it may help you sit at a desk and stare at your computer, but like <laughs> we know that sleep is so important for like consolidating learning and memory. And so, you know, these college students that are like pulling all nighters, I would like, you know, like to look more into like what if they actually do better. Well, but, I think you're going to have a tough time <laughs> convincing them not to. Right. But I would like just to say that this is it's really dangerous when you're using medications that don't belong to you, right? We talked about how we dose adjust for specific mm-hmm. people. So, you know, a child that has ADHD may require a much larger dose than someone that has not, not mm-hmm. been diagnosed. And these medications are not benign. Mm-hmm. So, so this is kind of we. I guess I'm also thinking back to the marijuana episode that yeah. we did, where we talked about there's that these the marijuana that's now legally mm-hmm. available in some states can be quite potent, and yeah. um, there there can be adverse effects with that. Yeah, you know, if it's not prescribed to you and you take a too high a dose of stimulants, it can cause arrhythmias. So that's like an abnormal heart rate. You know, it can cause your blood vessels to constrict and cause lots of other badness. So. Mm-hmm. Not recommended. So if it's a prescription medication, it should be your own prescription. Exactly. Okay, that makes sense.